Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Monday, June 7th. And this episode is brought to you by the Locked On NHL podcast. You need more hockey news, and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening around the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps. Subscribe to Locked On today wherever you get podcasts. On today's episode, we will, of course, look back at Game 4 between our Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders. A lot to get into with respect to that game, so uh, yeah, let's get into it. But of course, before I do, quick reminder to please smash that subscribe button. Each new episode will be automatically added to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. Uh, If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. On Locker Room on uh, Saturday before Game 4, I was talking to Kevin from California, and he said he listens every day, which is amazing. Thank you so much, Kevin. Very much appreciate that. Uh, If you are on Twitter, you can follow along at Ian C. McLaren for myself, for my hockey tweets and dad jokes. On Instagram, uh, we're Locked On Bruins. And on Twitter, the podcast is at LO Boston Bruins. So let's get into it, shall we? And the Bruins dropped game four and allowed the New York Islanders to tie this series up at two. Heading back to Boston for tonight, Game 5. There were a couple pretty big missed opportunities in this one for the Boston Bruins. Most notably, David Pasternak with a wide open net somehow hitting the post. If he takes that shot a thousand times, I guarantee you he hits it 999 times. This was the one that didn't go in, and that kept the Bruins from taking an early 1-0 lead. Now, they did have a 1-0 lead later in the game on a power play goal scored by David Krejci, his first goal of the postseason. The Islanders challenged for goaltender interference. It was um, The goal was upheld, and the Bruins were given a power play as a result of the failed challenge. That would have, you know, given them a 2-0 lead if they had been able to capitalize which they did not, and, uh, you know, allowed the Islanders to tie it up uh, shortly thereafter, a goal by Kyle Palmieri, and then Matt Barzell with the game winner. uh, Kind of, yeah, a weird bounce that found him, and uh, the puck was batted out of midair. Tugarask really didn't even see it, he said, until it was in the back of the net. Uh, so the Islanders getting the good bounces on this one. Full credit to Brazil for that goal, the skill that it takes to bat it out of the air, but uh, kind of a weird one altogether to set up that play. After the game, Bruce Cassidy said the Bruins have to get their energy level back. They're going to revisit some stuff that they did better through the first three games and reinforce that. Looking at the lineup, uh, there's health issues, obviously. The Bruins are currently... Uh, you know, after the game, I pointed out that it took nine games and injuries to 
uh, Kevin Miller and Brandon Carlo for this team to lose in regulation for the first time in the playoffs, which they did on Saturday. It was pointed out to me by Spencer Fischetta that, of course, the Bruins are dealing with more than a couple injuries on the blue line. We have Miller Carlo out. They've been injured in the playoffs. They were already missing uh, John Moore and Stephen Camfer, who are out with season-ending injuries after undergoing surgeries on respective issues. And then Jacobs Borrell was injured in the final game of the regular season. So, yeah, really, they're kind of on defenseman 10, 11 at this point, bringing in Jared Tenorti. And not not ideal by any means, but um, there could be some guys, Cassidy said, that are available for tonight's game. They don't know that yet, especially on the back end. They'll make a determination on that here on Monday morning, uh, but that's usually where they start in terms of any lineup changes. Are guys healthy? Are guys ready to come back in? So they're going to get back on the ice Monday here this morning, ready to go. It's a good hockey club they're playing, he said. They feel that they're equal and more. They just have to go out and prove it on Monday. That is, the Bruins, of course, feel they are equal to the Islanders. They feel they're better than the Islanders. And again, they have to go out and prove that here on Monday night, here tonight in Game 5. The Bruins, like I said, appeared ready to take control of the game early in the second after Krejci potted his first of the postseason. But, um, you know, the power play did not come through. Cassidy called it the second unit. He said he was disappointed. They don't get a lot of time behind the first unit, and it was an opportunity for them to step up, and no one shot the puck. They still practice a lot. They had certain people who want to run it through, but every one of them refused to shoot the puck. And, of course, they were relying on that second unit because the first unit had just come through playing extensively, and they were, you know, awarded this power play immediately after because of the failed challenge. And those guys uh, did not, yeah, shoot the puck with any urgency. And he said it killed the momentum. Bruce Cassidy said he was disappointed in that. Uh, the coverage, they've got D standing behind the net covering someone. It was just some breakdowns. There was a lack of urgency to get the puck to the net. And, you know, afterwards... They went down to the other end of the ice, and the Islanders created their scoring chance with uh, that unit still out on the ice, not very familiar, playing defensively together, and uh, a huge momentum killer. They just weren't willing to shoot enough, Cassidy said. Pay the price for it. Didn't score 5-on-5 in this one, and the Bruins just turned it down at too many shots, he said. Of the miss by Pasternak... Cassidy said, you know, that was where you might sense that it's just not their night in terms of things going Boston's way. When your best player hits the post on an open net and it just sits there, it's going to be one of those nights where we're probably not getting breaks, so you're going to have to earn them yourself. He said he thought Pasternak was fine trying to shoot the puck after that. He shot it hard. Uh, Varlamov made some saves. At the end of the day, I don't know if it makes a difference in the game or not. Well, I mean, come on, Bruce. Obviously, it would have made a difference. Uh, It's hindsight. Would have liked to see it go in, but it didn't happen. But overall, he thought Pasta was fine. I mean, there's certainly an argument to be made that it would have made a difference. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't go in. 
the Bruins had their opportunities. They had that power play goal. Um, that pass to miss certainly was crucial, critical, and uh, that could have made a pretty big difference. Overall, uh, the Bruins didn't play their best game, quite frankly. I thought the Islanders outworked Boston for most of the game. The Islanders held the advantage in terms of uh, shot attempts, 5-on-5, five five, uh, 56-45 advantage. They had more high-danger shot attempts, uh, higher expected goals, and uh, that dipped slightly when it came to all situations, a 64-57 advantage shot attempts for the Islanders, uh, but they still had the expected goals advantage. And again, I just thought they worked harder than Boston uh, throughout the night. Uh, J.G. Pajot, I thought, played very well. He's been out there taking face-offs against Bergeron. That's been a big storyline. Um, but yeah, not the Bruins' best effort. But like I said, again, it was their first regulation loss of the playoffs. They're down several defensemen, uh, you know, five defensemen, really, when you look at uh, the, the depth chart, if you include more Camphor, Zborl, and uh, still, I think the defense has been fine. Um, I think Lozon's struggles have been a bit overemphasized, and it's really up front where things need to uh, change a little bit, and we'll get to that more here in a moment. Before we do, let's talk about uh, Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. They can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost indexed funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trades, there's no picking stocks, no watching the market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. They're trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started, and you can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. Again, to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. Get started today, again, by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, a tobacco alternative that doesn't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. They also have a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Their lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. Locked On NHL listeners can go to lucy.co and use promo code Locked On NHL to get 20% off all products on your first order. That's lucy.co. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL at checkout for 20% off. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. 
Warning, this product does contain nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNHL. So, a few things to note from this game. Uh, First of all, David Krejci was fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the collective bargaining agreement, for slashing the Islanders' uh, Matt Barzell in Game 4. Barzell and Krejci, I'm sure we all recall, were engaged in some back and forth. Uh, Barzell, you know, leveled three or four good cross-checks to Krejci's back, and uh, Krejci responded by lifting his stick between Barzell's legs and catching him right in the nuggets. He also, I believe, slashed at Barzell when he was down on the ice, writhing in pain from the aforementioned shot to the Nuggets. Now, certainly what Krejci did, not a fan of. The fine is well uh, deserved. But at the same time, the fact that there was no penalty called on Barzal for the cross-checks is uh, pretty egregious in my mind. You can't let players get away with that, just continually hammering at a guy's back. Obviously, Krejci was going to get frustrated, I don't love the way perhaps he responded, but um, at the same time, it's something that needs to be addressed by the officials on the ice. Now, Bruce Cassidy on Sunday uh, during his Zoom availability said he and the Bruins were choosing to look at the big picture. They were disappointed, obviously, with the Game 4 loss to the Islanders that tied the series at two games apiece, but now... It's a best-of-three affair with two games to be played in front of sold-out crowds in Boston. And he said some players will definitely be better just because they're good players and they had an off night. That'll happen just because of who the Islanders are. It was less about circumstances and just, you know, the Islanders kind of playing not for their lives per se, they weren't facing elimination, but facing a 3-1 hole heading back to Boston, there certainly was greater effort on the part of the Islanders on Saturday. Again, he said, we're back home, it's 2-2, we've got a 2 out of 3 series, got home ice advantage, we can look at that in the big picture. The smaller picture is the Bruins need to play a better game than they did on Saturday. The guys recognize that, it's not a secret, wasn't their best, They've got to be mindful of it being, you know, tied in the third period. You had a chance to win the hockey game, even though they were not at their best. That's a positive for them. Understanding that to win, you typically need your best. So let's get there. Let's get to that level. He said the Bruins pride themselves on being a team that gets better as the series goes on. He thought they did that with Washington. They were trending that way until Saturday. Let's call it a hiccup and let's get back to building our game. Now, he did acknowledge that they will look at potential changes to the third line for Game 5. He said the trio of Nick Ritchie, Charlie Coyle, and Jake DeBrusque didn't generate anything, to be honest with you, in Game 4. And he pointed out that they were on the ice for the Islanders' winning goal in the third period. They've had better games. He said, obviously, a breakdown on the last goal. The winger went down, should have been more patience, allowed them to get to the middle, of the ice and it kind of snowballed from there where guys were late because they didn't do their job first and that part of it hurt the Bruins. Now looking back at that goal, the winger in question 
both Richie and DeBrusque were kind of floating around the defensive zone and didn't get to the net in order to um, spot Matt Barzell. So I'm not sure exactly who he was calling out there, but um, it sounds as though one of those guys could take a seat in favor of Carson Kuhlman for Game 5. He said, we'll see what we can do on the third line. Kuhlman's played a bit. Freddie hasn't played in a long time. You'll remember he was out with a non-COVID-related illness and hasn't really gotten back into the lineup since. Um, those are guys that have been with us the longest. You've got left-wingers having to go to the right side, unless it's Kuhlman, who is the right-hand shot. And so he said, we'll consider it, and we'll go from there. If you look at the kind of read between the lines there, you kind of get the sense that it will be Jake DeBrusque, who will be removed from the lineup in favor of Carson Kuhlman to get that right-hand shot in. DeBrusque's defense, I thought he played well at times. I don't think he's best deployed on the right side, and that's certainly been a factor to consider. Um, And to be honest, I would make some changes further down the lineup, but uh, Bruce Cassidy said he's not going to change anything on the fourth line. He said he thought Saturday was the best game from the fourth line in terms of playing behind the goal line, Lazardo a penalty, uh, good for him trying to finish his checks, Cassidy said. Corrali was trying to get more of that done. Wagner had a good chance in the first period on a wraparound uh, in the slot, just off the net a bit. So he thought they did a better job than they had been in terms of offense and how they can best do it, which is on the forecheck, turnovers, putting pressure on the defense. That part I liked, and their penalty kill was good. So he's not going to change anything on the fourth line. Uh, for me, I would probably do something like DeBrusque, Coyle, Kuhlman on the third line, and then Richie, Corrali, Lazar on the fourth line. Uh, but that's just me. I'm not the head coach of the Boston Bruins. He loves this fourth line for whatever reason. To their credit, they did create some chances. But, you know, double shifting them in the third period when you're down, I had no idea what was going on there. Uh, so we'll see. In terms of the defense, uh, looks as though... They will probably stay with what they've got for now. Miller is skating on his own, so that's good news. Uh, They'll see how both Miller and Brandon Carlo are feeling when they return to Boston ahead of Game 5. They were all getting the day off today. He doesn't anticipate any new injuries from the medical staff, uh, you know, after Game 4. So those two guys, they'll see how they're feeling here on Monday morning. There's an outside chance one or both could play, but... I'd be surprised uh, if there are any changes on the blue line. I think I wouldn't mind seeing Jacobs Borrell in lieu of Jared Tenorti. But, you know, Tenorti was fine. Um, But, again, not ideal since he is so far down the depth chart. And Zaborl was a guy that they were looking at uh, earlier this season as a piece to build around. Maybe not build around, but, you know, a solid third-pair guy that they could rely on. He has... Far higher upside. But along the same lines as Trent Frederick, they probably don't want to turn to players with zero playoff experience in uh, this kind of situation. Keep it locked to at LO Boston Bruins or at ENC McLaren on Twitter for all the latest lineup news uh, here on Monday morning following the morning skate. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and it comes in nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time one as well. When you talk to Built Bar fans, they're definitely passionate about their faves. 
whether it's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, there is something for everyone. If you haven't tried Built Bar, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors and you can figure out which one you like best. Most of the flavors have around 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and they are very healthy for you as well as great tasting. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Again, that's use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. You will not regret it. They are very good. Before we uh, wrap up with some news and notes, a quick reminder to um, check out the Locked On Today podcast for all the latest from around the sporting world with host Peter Bukowski and our local experts. Now, uh, one of the big stories as well on Sunday for the Boston Bruins was Patrice Bergeron getting a nod as a finalist for the 2021 Frank J. Selke Trophy given annually to the forward who best excels in the defensive aspects of the game as judged by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. The other finalists are Florida Panthers forward Alexander Barkov and Vegas Golden Knights forward Mark Stone. Stone is a winger. Uh, Very rare that a winger gets a nod here, but very well-deserved. It's Bergeron's 10th consecutive season being named a finalist for the award. He's won it in 2012, 2014, 2015, 2017, and he has uh, tied Hall of Fame forward Bob Ganey of the Canadians for most all-time. With a win this year, he would become the first-ever five-time Selkie Trophy winner. I am guessing that it might be Barkov's to lose, but uh, he has been very good again this season. It's not an honorary nod by any means. Uh, the Bruins allowed just 2.39 goals per game this season, tied for fourth lowest in the league, and that's after uh, turning away from Krug and Chara to go along with uh, you know giving some younger guys some time. He ranked third among the team's forwards in shorthanded time. Bergeron and Marchand as dangerous as any penalty-killing duo in the league right now. I, I think even Marchand should have gotten some uh, love there. It'll be interesting to see where he ranks when it comes to uh, the Selkie Trophy. He led the league in face-off wins, face-off win percentage, and, you know, Bruce Cassidy said, people are continuing to pay attention to how good Bergie is. He deserves the love. He certainly emulates what the award is all about, and he's Keeps doing it again this year. There's a couple of good candidates as well that he's up against. It's always a tough call for the people voting, but Cassidy and all of us are glad to see him get what he's due. Obviously biased, Cassidy said, but I feel he should be the winner. I'm sure the coaches of their players probably feel the same way, but good for Patrice. And again, Cassidy said he's proud of him for bringing it every year. Another year under his belt being able to keep playing the way he does on both sides of the puck. It's a testament not only to his physical ability, but also his mental toughness to be able to do it every night. So congrats, of course, to Bergie for uh, the finalist nod once again. Very cool, and um, yeah, hopefully he's able to uh, get the job done or get the votes to get that 
record-breaking sulky win. The other cool story I thought over the weekend, in case you missed it, uh, up here in Ontario, the Ontario Hockey League had their priority draft. And Taya Curry, a 16-year-old goalie, became the first female to be chosen in the Ontario Hockey League draft when Sarnia selected her in the 14th round. She's been playing AAA boys hockey for the Elgin Middlesex minor hockey organization for seven seasons. She told CTV News that she loves competing with the boys because of the competitive side of it. I'm athletic. I like the style of their game compared to the girls. They have harder shots, and I just enjoy it all. Sarnia GM Dylan Sika told CTV News that Curry was being considered for more than just the chance to create publicity. It was the athletic ability, great hands, the way she challenges the puck that drew us to her game. The intriguing part of breaking barriers in this league is there, but it's honestly the quality of the player. She said, I want to be the goalie everybody hates to play against, but loves to have on the team. So congratulations to Curry. She says she patterns her game after Shannon Zabados, a two-time Olympic gold medal winner with Canada, who became the first woman to play in the Western Hockey League in 2002-2003. Zabados said, congrats, Taya, watching this live. Can't wait, to, can't wait to watch you on the world stage one day. So the very, uh, yeah, very cool story up here in uh, Canada, in case you missed it. And congrats again to Taya Curry. I think that's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. I'm recording this before Sunday's NHL action, so if anything wild happens today and I don't mention it, that's the reason. But of course, uh, be all over it on Twitter as well uh, and a lot of Bruins stuff to get to. This is a Bruins podcast, so it makes sense that I would focus on that. Hope you all had a great weekend and uh, that you will join me on Twitter tonight as I watch the game at ENC McLaren. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow to recap Game 5. And, yeah, again, thanks to all those who subscribe, who listen regularly. It really does mean a lot. I do greatly appreciate it. And uh, go Bees. Have a great rest of your Monday, friends. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Peace.